0: How does this post make you feel? How do you feel after you spent an hour on social media? That's not something that's very easy for kids to grasp.
1: You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 367. Today, we're talking about your kid's first phone with Katherine Perlman. of kids. Hey, welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. If you haven't done it yet, please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you get something from this podcast, do you, do you get some value from it, then please go do me a favor. Go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review. It just helps the podcast grow more and it takes like 30 seconds and it makes such a big difference. I truly, truly appreciate it. Now, I'm so excited for this episode because in just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Dr. Katherine Perlman, a licensed clinical social worker, founder of The Family Coach, and author of the book, First Phone. I love this book and I'm so excited about it. So First Phone is a book That is for your kids. It's she speaks directly to eight to twelve year old children about digital safety in this great manner that's playful, engaging, and age appropriate. So, you know, we have a lot of discussions about technology, about cell phones on the podcast and the thing is cell phones have become a fact of life with children as young as eight yes eight getting their own devices so even if your kid doesn't have a phone your child will be around phones through their friends so this is an incredible resource this episode we talk all about digital safety and and how to navigate this digital world with our kids and the book is so cool because it it empowers kids to learn, to have their own resource. We're also going to talk about how we can make easy, quick fixes to help with some of those the most entrenched problems with cell phones. So I know you're going to love this episode, and you are going to want to share it with all your friends. So join me at the table as I talk to Katherine Perlman. Are you struggling with kids fighting, yelling, and more despite listening to the podcast and reading all the books? Parenting can be so overwhelming and exhausting. You know, I see you and I have something that will help. Mindful Parenting SOS. I'm offering free, live, mindful parenting sessions starting Monday, May 6th. Basically, live, mindful parenting lessons that you normally have to pay for. So if you struggle with getting your kids to listen, tantrums, misbehavior, and feeling the guilt of yelling at your kid, then you should definitely get your spot in Mindful Parenting SOS. I'll be there to answer your questions in person, and if you can't make it, we will have replays available. Don't wait to get your spot now. It's free. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash SOS to register. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash SOS. I can't wait to see you there. We're going to talk about phones today, my friends, because Catherine has written an amazing book Called first phone. And as I was telling her, my 12 year old does not have a phone yet. And so I'm going to be getting your book. I have the like advanced copy, but now I'm going to have to like go shell out for the actual book because (laughs) I'm like, this is really good. She needs this book. So what was the driving force behind wanting to write this? Because I know your kids are a little older. I imagine they have phones already.
0: Yeah, both my kids do. Um, Actually, there's a couple of things that kind of came together that made me think that this book is really needed. I mean, the first thing is that, I mean, parents I think are out of their depths with their kids and their phones. I think that even conscientious parents are really trying hard to manage this like incredibly powerful digital device and it's hard and our kids are a little bit ahead of us. So um, there's that. Um, I've gotten a lot of calls, emails, you know, chatting with parents about, you know, oops, my kid saw porn. Um, My child was sexted. What should I do? My child did sexting. What should I do? So a lot of these things started happening. Um, And then the pandemic happened. So we've been talking about screen time for years, but then all of a sudden we have school sanctioned screen time for eight hours a day, plus time on the homework on the computer. And it just, I saw screen time being an all day thing for kids and parents not really knowing how to handle it. Um, And the truth is that kids are um, exposed even earlier than that. So yeah, I just thought like we need to teach kids for themselves how to make good decisions because I don't think parents can always be with their kids when they have a digital device near them. So even if your kid doesn't have a digital device, they're on the bus with a kid who's had a cell phone for three years. And maybe those parents aren't as savvy in terms of, you know, knowing how to put on protections. So your kid is sitting right next to that kid and that kid's like, hey, look at my phone. And your kid is like, great. So, you know, even with our best intentions, I think that kids are getting access. And so it's really important to teach kids for themselves to make good decisions.
1: Yeah, that's an incredibly important point because I know that, you know, here on the Mindful Mama podcast, we've talked about screen time in so many different ways. And we have people who advocate like really, you know, we've we've had guests who advocate delaying screen time for a long time. But you're right. Like this, this is just in the culture. Like this is around our kids. It's everywhere. You know, m- you know, Sora may not have a phone yet, but like she's had friends who had f- have had phones since they were eight years old, you know, so it's a. Uh, and then, you know, we want to teach them these habits, but then also like adults get sucked into, you know, we can't always model the right things. Like adults get sucked into bad habits. I mean, I, sometimes I get frustrated around some of my friends. Cause I'm like, put the phone down. You know, I know you don't have to pull it out and show me the exact thing. Like we could just talk about this thing, right? But like we get sucked into the whole thing too. So I think that's such an important point. Like, yeah, we need to be, you know, something that is directed write to kids. And so what kind of age range do you see my first phone kind of being for? Because it's interesting because it's, I, I think for, for Sora, you know, maybe she, I think it seems probably directed to someone a little bit younger than her.
0: So, um, the age range of my mind is honestly between eight and 13. And there are five kids that are profiled in the book. They're not real kids. They're, um, you know, conglomerate kids and, um, they are, you know, in the age that age range with some a lot most of the kids 11 or 12 in the book so it really does speak to older kids but I know that some younger kids are getting their phone eight and nine so I do have a couple of kids that are younger so it's really in that age range um and trying to be broad for them and I've even had adults read the book and like I actually learned something and for me even writing the book I feel like I learned something so even up to 13 I think that kids will feel like it's speaking directly to them.
1: Okay, so dear listener, let me just like describe it for you. Like, First Phone is great, has these kids, they talk to each other, they have conversations with each other. There's like great graphics, great illustrations, like on every page, which I know my child will love because she loves graphic novels. You know, even if you're a big reader, it always helps to have all these like fun. You know, graphics that take like a challenging and and heavy topic um, and make it interesting, and and you do make like things interesting by like making, having different things, and then having the kids sort of like, you know, chime in on the <laughs> their own way, which is really cool. Um, all right, so I've I've raved on about your book enough, but let's talk about some of the stuff inside the book, right? So, what are the things? that kids need to know about before having a first phone? Like we don't want to just give them these devices and be like, okay, bye-bye, have fun, right? Like what are some of the things that we as parents need to set up before, you know, how, walk us through this. What do we do before the first phone? So I think
0: a lot of parents, you know, think they're going to talk to their kids about phone safety. They're going to maybe do a phone contract and then they're going to give the kid the phone and that's the end of it. I think that parents have to realize and then express to their children that digital education is a lifelong process. You know, we are still learning as adults and children need to realize that things change and there's constantly learning and adapting that happens. And also that mistakes happen. You know, I have a whole chapter in the book about mistakes because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's unrealistic to think that our kids aren't going to make mistakes. Again, I know adults who click on scams or get sucked into things that they probably shouldn't. And so we should let our kids know ahead of time, I know you're going to make a mistake. You're going to make lots of mistakes. That is okay. I'm here to talk to you about it. I'm here to learn with you and support you. Um, So I think that that's also really important. And to you know plan on having ongoing dialogues with your kids. And then the last thing I think that's really important before the phone is to talk about what self-care is and then how your child will know when they really need self care as it relates to their digital device? Because what we're learning is that these devices cause us to feel all kinds of things: angry, sad, depressed, anxious. Um, social media has a lot to do with that. Notifications has a lot to do with that. And we have to start talking to kids in general, as I know you have for many years, about you know being mindful about your emotions, about how this device makes you feel, checking in with yourself, and then. How are we going to manage that? How are we going to, What's our plan for our self-care and how do we reevaluate that over time?
1: Parenting can be loud, stressful, and rough some days. And we want to be able to go to bed and take care of ourselves in a really beautiful way. And that's why I love that. Cozy Earth is a sponsor of the podcast. Cozy Earth offers bedding products that will transform your sleep. The bedding is temperature regulating, which is like a huge sleep benefit, has superior softness, incredible fabric and incredibly high quality. All the products come with a 10 year warranty. Truly incorporating Cozy Earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and your overall wellness. You deserve to treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence after all the day's craziness of parenting with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and it's a way to prioritize your self-care and sleep health. You deserve it. And here's an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for our listeners. Use the code mindful35 for 35% off. That's awesome at cozyearth.com. That's coupon code mindful35. For 35% off at CozyEarth.com, I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. It's interesting, Catherine, because like I love these. You know, we have to talk about self-care. We know we're going to make mistakes and things like that. But it's interesting because I think one of the things that we used to think about as like the most important Thing was like safety from like predators, right? Like that used to be like the big thing, and that's in there. You talk about that in the book, but it's almost like our the challenge now is more safety from the device itself. Like the idea that the device itself is the thing to be that is is going to be the thing that brings the most challenge in our lives. Is that, is that kind of what I'm getting from you here? Yeah, because I think in a way it's pretty easy to
0: explain to your kid what's a scam and how to mm. double check that. It's, it's it's almost more concrete. It's like, this is what mm. it might look like. Don't click on a link. It's like a rule. Don't click on a link that you don't know who it's from. Don't respond to someone who's not in your context. It's very concrete. It's not very concrete to say, social media makes us feel all kinds of things. And how does this post make you feel? How do you feel after you spent an hour on social media? That's not something that's very easy for kids to grasp. So I think it is really important to talk about the concrete you know, predators, scams, phishing, all of that stuff that is happening for kids. But that's not happening for the majority of kids. The majority of kids, though, are experiencing a lot of anxiety, depression, um, and all kinds of uh, negative outcomes, lack of sleep, you know, lack of um, attention at school because of this cell phone. So I think we have to shift our attention and also do that other stuff, but realize, you know, they learn that pretty quickly. The other stuff is harder to grasp.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those are kind of, those are pretty cut and dried. So the, the things we're really looking for, I mean, we had a whole episode on teens and sleep. So knowing that that sleep is so important. So sleep, attention, and how it's kind of affecting our, our emotional and physical or our emotional, mental health, that basic. those are the big things that we are, we want to teach them and yeah you're right like that's so much more nebulous um actually you know my older daughter maggie she when when she was 14 she was on tiktok for like a while and if you don't know just so if somebody doesn't know cuz i wouldn't have known tiktok is like the app where it's like these like super fast videos that just like go boom 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 like video 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 right I haven't. Anyway, so she was on it for a little while. My husband got on it for a little while just to kind of understand what she was doing and what 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 it was all about. And and then she actually found she actually got off it on her own and took it off her phone because she's was said it didn't she didn't like how it made her feel. And I was like yes, parenting win. I guess I was like, so I was so thrilled for that, but what are some, of, maybe we can talk about what are some of the, what are some of the top apps to look for to look out for, um, on smartphones? What are some of the things that we really want to be careful with our kids about, and maybe even hold off until they're older with?
0: hmm so it's what's really interesting. And what I recommend for parents to do is exactly what you did, um, is get on the app and see what's happening because these apps are smart. They learn. So every
1: time you're before we get, give it to our kids. So just want to like, would you recommend that we get on the app before we give it to our kids? Cause I think now kind of like knowing my second daughter, I, I wouldn't, for me, I'm not sure I, I would let her get on TikTok now that I know what it is, but we didn't even really—I didn't even really find out what it was until after Maggie was on it. So, anyway, can you just clarify, like, get get on it before, or get on it while your kid's getting on it?
0: So, I think it's good to do a little bit of reading, and all of the social medias have a parent and and child guide, um, so Mm -hmm. that you can kind of read about what you need to know. But I mean, those are sponsored by the social media companies, but they're a good start. Um, So I would do that before you're saying yes to anything. But the truth is, even if you say no, your child can still have an account, but you don't see it on their phone. The child can still view stuff on their friend. You know, they go to their neighbors and their friends and they're still looking at the same content. It's just not necessarily on their actual phone. So I think once they're like 13 or 14 years old, we have to accept the fact that they're going to be on social media and then we should get in there to see what it is that they're seeing and talk to them about it. Again, this goes back to the ongoing digital education. So what's interesting about social media apps is that they learn, but they also kind of hone in some very negative ways. So young girls are seeing a lot of um, eating videos, uh, a lot of exercise videos, uh, a lot of things that are um, you know, maybe inappropriate for them, but it's very subtle. And the more they click on things, the more it kind of hones down. And before you know it, all of the videos they're seeing are things that, you know, we may not feel are um, appropriate or in our child's best interest in terms of their mental health. And so I think it's important for parents to, you know, once the kid is on there and the device starts to learn the, uh, about what your child is clicking on, see what's popping up for them. The same is true for YouTube. What is popping up in that column on the right for them that's you know uh, encouraging them to click. That kind of lets you know what headspace your child is in.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah. So would you recommend say like that we make a kind of like a contract with our kid before they get the phone that says, "Hey, uh, I can come in and check the apps and check them out every once in a while, just to kind of set that up. Like this is not your device. Like this is like I'm." paying for this device, so therefore I have a, you know, just to have that sort of, I mean, what would you say as far as conversations we should have ahead of time with setting up expectations for kids?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Parents should should let their kids know, I am going to check your phone. I'm going to check your, your text. I'm going to check your social media. But the reason I'm checking it is not for you to get in trouble, is to find learning opportunities for you. And then it's really important for parents To then not freak out, to not punish, to not um, go overboard with what they might see, because that's the reality. Whatever you're seeing, that's the reality. The kind of language they're using, the, the kind of flirting that may be happening, that's the reality for them. And so it's better for you to be able to have honest and open conversations. And as soon as you get punitive, your child shuts down. They hide things. They're not going to talk to you anymore. And the idea is to continue with this ongoing conversation. And so I absolutely tell parents, it should be in the contract. I will check your phone. You know, once your kids are 15, I don't think parents should be regularly checking their kid's phone unless there's a concern or a worry. But you've had years to get to that point. Years of learning. Mm-hmm. I remember I would see on my daughter's phone, um, someone would, you know, maybe text her a problem and she would write something like very swift back. And I would say, okay, I think that probably was read wrong by the other person. Like, it sounds like you don't care, but I know my daughter, she cared, but she didn't have the words to know how to respond. Or if she was um, texting a coach um, or even sending an email to a teacher, they need coaching, they need mentoring. And so sometimes they don't ask ahead of time, but we can see in on their phone, oh, you might've made a mistake here. You know, this was maybe not how you wanted to present yourself, or you might've um, sent something, an image that you maybe would regret later or, Whatever. it's So it's really important to think about our tone and to not lecture and to not be punitive, but to use it as an instructive tool. And yes, by all means, let your kids know you're going to do it.
1: I, mean, I love what you're saying because all the things we've talked about on the podcast up to that, you know, all the things we talk about for early childhood, for elementary ages, about having, you know moving away from punitive old school parenting that sets you on opposite sides of a battle, the whole, the battle metaphor. Right. And like moving to team, you know, we are on the same team. I am on your team and I am here to not judge you, but to guide you and coach you that all applies here at the phone. Cause Catherine's absolutely right. Like it's just going to be hidden. It's just going to be sneaked if it's, if there are heart, you know, if you're making punishments around stuff, um and what I'm seeing with my girls is or with Maggie who has a phone is that I'll, I'll I'll we get a lot of consultation on how to how to say this or that. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about how, how to word this kind of thing or that. And it's funny, have you noticed that there there's a whole thing where like this the the younger generation that has phones, they think that punctuation is rude. Like periods. Like they think if you put out a period at the end of a sentence, like you're, it's like too strong language. And I was like, what? Really? Like, what's wrong with periods? Like, isn't this just the way we write things? (laughs) It's like a whole thing. They don't like grammar is out. (laughs) Yeah. I know. It was totally, totally strange. Okay. But let's go back to that earlier uh, question about what are some, apps that are more dangerous for kids just to be really blunt about it?
0: Oh, I mean, there, there are ones that are really, um, nefarious. Um, and I think parents do a pretty good job of keeping their kids off of some of those, but I really think Instagram, TikTok, um, are just as damaging to our kids, um, mental health, uh, the more time they spend on any of these apps, it doesn't even matter if it's, you know, the most dangerous. And I think that there are a lot of good guides in terms of, um, you know, if your kid is interested in something or you see an app on your kid's phone, Google it, you know, Mm. Google, what do parents need to know? Fill in the blank app. And you will see um, common sense media has some great information. Um, There's just, there's a lot of information out there, but I will say even the ones that we think of as safe are not, uh, without their, um, dangers and that parents need to continue to have the conversation about what kind of things are you looking at? Sit with your child on the couch and look at them scroll, make it fun. You know, what, what is your kid doing in the same way that I would tell parents, if your kid is really into video games, you better learn to play video games because you want to see what your kid is doing and you want to be able to meet them where they're at and interact with them. So if your kid is sitting on the couch, scrolling, let me see what you're looking at. And if they're really shying away from that, then that will tell you. Well, what are you looking at that I can't see? Um, you know, that'll be a lesson for you. But also, I it will be very Im- informative to see what's suggested to your child. What are the suggestions? Because what happens on something like TikTok, and even on Instagram, if you're going through Reels, it's not just who your child is following that they see. There are so many suggested videos, like on YouTube. And it's the suggestions that kind of veer kids off to the wrong thing pretty quickly. So it's good to sit down with them and see what they're doing. But I would say, um, you know, Google, any app your child wants to be in, but also even if you think it sounds like all the kids have it and it's totally safe, you need to pay attention.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, because we have not let Maggie have Snapchat because I'm just petrified of like the Snapchat streak. I want her to be able to, take breaks from the phone like this is what we model in our house is we take breaks from the phone we, you know we plug the phone downstairs at nighttime we can talk about that and sleep in a minute but um, but we want to model like in, you know we have a screen free Sunday which we do our best to hang on to but but that's a thing that parents should know about Snapchat is that still a big thing I mean things go away so quickly I sound so old as I'm saying this oh my god oh, I'm am- <laughs> I'm just as old and that's that's
0: exactly my point it's like we are outdated before we blink you know kids are just so much more up to date so they have to make the good decisions. Um, you know I don't think Snapchat is outdated in fact kids are not texting they're they're doing messaging on Snapchat so it's like you think your kid isn't texting you don't see any text you're looking for text they're not there that's because they're communicating within the app on Snapchat um and after snapchat it'll be something else by the time you catch up with snapchat it'll be something else because they know their parents yeah yeah i think maggie's into Um, discord pretty quickly discord's like a communication um, right you know i have the same fears but one thing that i would recommend as your kids get to the older teen years is to give them these apps because they're going to do it anyway but do it with supervision Hmm. let them have the app but have a learning period, have a discussion period, show it to me. Let's learn it together. What are you seeing? What are you being approached by? Who is messaging you? Another thing like that is discord, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why I was pen- just saying
1: Maggie's into discord because she talks about Minecraft stuff and friends with, on discord. And that's like a whole communication thing. So tell me about it. Cause I don't really know a lot about it.
0: Okay. So discord started as sort of like chatting within video games. And during the pandemic, my son would be in class and also on discord um, chatting with all his friends. And in the beginning I was very much against it. I'm like, you have to close this. You have to be in school. Um, but then I realized like there is no socialization. Like that is how they are socializing. They're socializing within discord. Kids are not hanging out after school anymore. They're not talking on the phone. They're communicating through apps. Um, And Discord has all these like kind of chat rooms and based on your interests, so on Minecraft, let's say. uh, And the thing is, it may be their friends or there may be other people that are strangers in those chat rooms. And one of the things that I think is important is to explain to kids, sometimes someone acts like a kid, talks like a kid, seems just like a kid, but it is an adult predator who spends a year making friends with you only to ask you a year later, send them a picture would you like to meet up? You know, all these things that they're very invested. They take years. It's not like they just show up in the discord and like, Hey, send me a naked picture. It doesn't work like that. So sometimes people aren't who they are. They seem. So there's a difference between our friends in real life and our friends on discord and even discord, which seems just like a fun chatting app has, you know, predators in there as well embedded. So um, you know, just having some basic safety rules with your kids when communicating online about like not sharing your personal information, um, being mindful that not everybody is who they seem, um, you know, just being thoughtful about what you're saying in these rooms and you get, they get very relaxed because they've been chatting and these people seem like friends and some of their real friends are interspersed with those friends. So, Mm. uh, it's a very unusual community, but, uh, Lots of not so great stuff is happening on Discord, but also lots of great stuff is happening on Discord. So again, it's important to let your kid have it, but be mindful and be involved.
1: Yeah, like Discord is like a New York City street or something, but like, but you can't tell who's who's who. And this is why, dear listener, I cannot recommend Catherine's book en- enough, First Phone, because y- word probably going to forget some of the things that we want to tell our kids and, and go over with our kids. And just like talking about sexuality and, and, you know, all that stuff, like it should be an ongoing conversation and a reference is really great to have. It's great for kids to just look it up on their own. And then they feel that sense of, autonomy and ownership and responsibility a little bit more than if it's just coming from mom or dad, if they have some resistance to things that are coming from mom or dad, you know, if it can be a, a something that's right there in the house, um, which is hopefully, and, and there's all kinds of great tips on all the things that your kids need to know, like how to make a good password and <laughs> how to... <laughs> you know, all the things that, you know, that you, you do need to know all those like basic things, but also like, uh, uh, how do you take care of yourself in, in these things? Uh, have you, have you had any feedback to yours, thus from kids to your self-care, maybe specifically to that self-care chapter? Have you, have you heard anything from that? So
0: I've only had a few kid readers so far, cause the book isn't out. Um, by the time mm-hmm. this airs, the book will be out, but it hasn't been out yet um and i think it's something kids are craving they're mm. asking for that parents need to work more to provide like you know screen free times of the day and um set rules in the house i mean we haven't talked about it but i'm very firm on no phones or electronic devices in the bedrooms um and mm parents are very afraid of uh, putting that into practice because they think their kids will really uh, rebel against it. And it'll be so hard to enforce. But what I have found when it's a non-negotiable kids love it. They love having time where it's like, they know they don't have to argue with you. They just put the phones away and they have their break, a social break. I remember my daughter used to tell her friends, like, I put my phone away at 10. So do not text me anything like important or scary or anxiety producing nine thirty, because I have put my phone down at 10 and she had such a relief having a break from her social life. Um, so I think mm. kids are craving the self-care, honestly.
1: It's almost like the boundaries, you know, where permissive parenting, like we know that being too permissive leads, the research shows that leads to kids who feel like they're sometimes not cared for, right? If, if we're too yeah. permissive, you know, if we aren't holding those boundaries and our, our phone, the phone's, you know it's the same thing for that and those are okay so house rules we have and and that's a rule in our house that we have like that all our phones are plugged in downstairs and um for a while i gave myself an exception to that rule cuz my phone was my alarm clock and it was on the <laughs> other side of a long room away from my bed but man did i get called out on that and you cannot you you know our kids are not going to let us not Walk the talk. So even if you're listening to this way before you uh, give your kid a phone, like maybe you have a younger kid, start it now. Start the thing, the habits that you want your 12 year old, your 13 year old, who's having a phone to have, and one of those can be like get just buy an alarm clock. For your room. And it's such a good, it's so much better for us to not like pick up, you know, turn a o- over from sleep and pick up the phone, but to have it to be downstairs, to have some other things we do before we pick up the phone is a really, really healthy habit. So um, yeah, let's talk about rules in the house and sleep. Are there any rules in the other rules in the house that you recommend that we missed?
0: Um, so obviously keeping everything out of the bedroom at night, um, turning off everything an hour before bed, you know, just to really have time to prepare for sleep and power down. Um, no phones during meals. You know, me, we have so few times to actually connect with our kids and not be distracted by other things. Driving in the car is a wonderful time and also meal time. So those are, you know, obviously you can't use your phone while you're driving. But um, during meals, everyone puts their phone down. And if one of the parents has a hard time with it, like make a basket, make a rule. The kids will think it's fun. Everything goes there. The other thing that drives me crazy is the, um, the Apple Watches because you, you put your phone away, but then, you know, eyes are glancing down to the wrist. And kids feel that. They feel the sense that you're not paying attention to them. So if you have a phone and a watch, they all have to go be put away. Um, And I also like thinking about waking up in the morning and not having the first thing that they do is go down and get the phone and look at what's happening. Because, you know, when we were growing up, we had a social break. We had a break from the news. We had a break from our social circles. um, And that's kind of our recharge. And nowadays. We and kids, we don't have that. So I like to have, even if you have a buffer period in the morning where we wake up, we get ready, and then maybe we take a quick glance at our phone, or maybe we don't do it till after school, or whatever works in your house. But I certainly love the idea of a screen free Sunday and, um, or whatever works in your family. Uh, it could mm-hmm. be a Saturday night, it could be whatever, but that we all put screens down and we spend time together or we communicate together. And 100% what you said. You know, I think a lot of parents have, uh, you know, do as I say, not as I do, but with digital, you know, behavior, kids are watching us. And if you don't have good digital manners and etiquette, your kids won't either. They absolutely will not. And you will not be able to enforce it. So if you don't have kids with a phone, start working on your own you know, digital etiquette. And it is not easy. These devices are mm-hmm. actually made to keep us engaged. And I think when we talk about it that way, then we can take away a little bit of the shame of feeling like, oh gosh, I just want to look at my phone. Of course you want to look at your phone. It's designed so that you can look at it. That's the whole point of all these apps and notifications and bells and all these things. So Um, Once we accept that and we try and work on it, even though it's hard, even though we're going to fail, we keep working on it, our kids will see that and see that that is a value, that that is important, and then they will follow suit.
1: Yeah, dear uh, listener, you should check out, if you haven't listened to already, listen to the episode with Johan Hari, who wrote a book recently on Stolen Focus, and it's from, I don't have the number on the top of my head, but it's from this year in 2022, so check out check out that. Um, and you mentioned driving in the car. So one thing my 15-year-old is totally annoyed at me at is that, I mean, with the exception of long road trips, like if we're just driving from swim practice to home, I'm like, put your phone down. Like, don't, you don't need to be doing that in the car on a short ride. Like that's rude. I'm driving, we're here sharing space. And apparently uh, it's funny because we haven't talked about this, but apparently my husband wasn't, wasn't doing the same thing, but I was like, I'm sorry to me. I find that rude, you know? So please put your phone down unless you need to like do something quickly in the car, but then put it down. I mean, what, do you agree? Do you think this is a good idea? What should be the car etiquette? Because I can't imagine her, like, I would just feel so embarrassed if my child got in a car with some other person and immediately started, like, scrolling, I don't know, Instagram or something. I'd be like, oh my god, Raised a degenerate. (laughs) Um, Well, we're all raising degenerates
0: because even if that's the rule in your car, she's still going to go in someone else's car and do it because that's normative. Honestly, that is what they're doing. But I love the rule of no screens in the car with you because, again, driving in the car is one of the best places to talk to your kids. Mm -hmm. You're not looking at each other. There's no pressure. Things are going on and moving around you. Um, So it is a sacred space to me to, to meet my kids where they're at and so i love the idea of you know no scrolling if you have to send a text or make a call that's of course mm-hmm. go ahead uh, and you're listening and being part of that process um but yeah there's no reason that we need to scroll and you know divert our attention uh, in the car while they're sitting with you so i lo- i support that
1: all right cool you join me dear listener we'll be the we'll fight fight the suction of our 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 kids attention <laughs> away into the boxes okay sleep are we know there's so many factors going against our kids sleep by the time they yeah. get to this age like 11 12 they need like 10 hours of sleep like high school students they need nine hours of sleep and at least my daughter's high school she goes to the local public high school starts at a ridiculously early time in the morning and you know her circadian rhythms it's all stacked up against her anyway yeah uh, What do you, so you write about sleep in here. What, what should be our conversations about sleep with our kids?
0: So first is just how important sleep is. You know, I think Mm -hmm. generally we are a society of sleep deprived people. We're busy. We're doing more than we need to do. Um, like being busy has become a virtue, you know, we're just loading our plates and, um, our kids are also really busy and also not getting the sleep they need. And so even before screens and cell phones, we know the downsides of not getting enough sleep, you know, and especially in young people in teens, not getting enough sleep, which is, you know, nine, 10 hours is, um, you know, a rise in depression and anxiety, which I'll talk a little bit about why that's sort of skyrocketed. And also um, a loss of attention, loss of memory, grades go down, uh, lower coping skills, a whole host of things, and including you know problematic eating, um, just a lot of negative side effects to just not getting enough sleep. So what happens to teens is that you know around 2012 to 2017, the majority of teens started getting cell phones. And at the same time, the mental health crisis for teens also went up. And so that's a correlation. It's not that we can say that the cell phone is causing these things. But what we do know is more kids have cell phones, smartphones, and the majority of those kids are sleeping with their cell phones. And about 30% of the kids that are sleeping with their cell phones are sleeping with them on their pillow. So oh what happens when the kid has their phone, especially on their pillow, is they are texting, they are looking at notifications, they are you know, involved in their peer group all night long. So they have interrupted sleep on top of not getting enough full sleep. And so if we put all the information together, we don't have a conclusive study to say cell phone is doing this, but we have a lot of the pieces that we can put together to say, kids are not getting enough sleep, there are dire consequences, and their phones have a lot to do with it. So um, I think it's the most easiest, smallest, quickest fix is just to keep them out of the bedroom. That alone can improve sleep can improve mood, can improve focus, can improve grades, can improve social skills. All these things can happen just by keeping it out. So that's a super easy fix to me. Um, And I actually was laughing when you said about the alarm clock. I just was like making promotional things for the book. And I made a sticker that basically said like, buy an alarm clock. Um, Because it's the most common thing I hear. And it's, it's valid. I get it. But that's an easy fix. So um, mm-hmm. we know that our kids are suffering. Um, it's not okay. And this is one thing as parents we can really do to make a difference is keep those phones out of the bedroom.
1: Yeah, that's got to be in the contract from the beginning. Like this this thing gets plugged in downstairs every night. Yeah, we we talk about that a lot. Um, But I also want to say, if you didn't
0: have that rule or somehow you did and things changed, something happened with the pandemic or you went on vacation and the phones were in the room and you came home, like you can change that rule at any time. You can have um, a 16-year-old and you say, the rules are changing and this is non-negotiable. And this goes back to my first book of Ignore It. You're going to hear all kinds of flack. Your kid is going to be very, very angry. But after three days of non-negotiable, it's over. Your kid accepts it and you can make that change. So even if you didn't do it, it's not all lost. You can make that change at any time. Just make it a non-negotiable and that's it.
1: Okay. All right. Cool. Um, oh, I think this is so, so helpful. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think like, is it, you know, we, you, we talked about the rise in anxiety and depression. I mean, I guess these are things we wanna to talk to our kids about too, like, like, in, and even that correlation between the phones and the rise in anxiety and depression and some of the ways that it adds to it, right? Like, I mean, I guess the ways that adds to it are the sleep factor, are the comparison factor, you know, what are some of the simple, maybe what are some of the talking points that we wanna just give to our kids in that conversation?
0: Well, I think because so many kids are anxious and depressed that it almost is normal. Like if you actually hear how Mm -hmm. teens talk to each other, it is not abnormal for any given teen to know somebody who is basically crying for help, um, in a Instagram story or on a Snapchat post or something, um, or to have somebody who was, um, so depressed that they had to, um, go into residential treatment. Like this is the norm. But I think because it's the norm, kids think like it's no big deal or there's nothing we can do about it. And I think it's really Mm. important for parents to say, this does not have to be the norm. Like you living with this kind of anxiety where you don't feel comfortable going out in the world um, or communicating with people face to face, that does not have to be that way. And we can get help. We can get treatment. Um, So I do really recommend parents talk to their kids about what should be our mental health and what is our mental health and that difference. And then how we can address that, um, by getting treatment and, um, you know, looking through some of these posts with your kids or even looking like sometimes I'll have something that raises something in me. And I might even say to my kids, like, I actually just unfollowed this person because I was finding that they were making me very anxious every time I saw one of the posts or I was feeling angry or feeling like I wasn't doing enough, or I wasn't as good. You know, one of the things I talk about in the book is influencers. And I think that kids look at influencers and don't realize that these are paid advertisements like commercials, and that we don't think of them in the same way. We get to know these influencers. Sometimes we feel like they're our best friends, they're in our family, like, we really know everything about them in some way. So we feel like they're very honest and very true. But They're selling a product and they are getting paid for every like and every share that you are doing and breaking that down for kids. So they can see that woman's life. Isn't like that. That woman's house doesn't look like that. That kid doesn't really have that car. They're posing in front of it or that, whatever the thing is, but to really break down Instagram, basically influencing advertisers um, Mm. so that they can see them for what they are. Because once you see behind the curtain, then we can go back to feeling good about our body, good about our lives, good about our vacations. Like, sure, it'd be wonderful to go on a vacation to Hawaii, but that's not getting paid for. One of the things that drives me insane is um, people who are having plastic surgery as influencers, that is getting paid for, and then, you know, all their posts are about their wonderful bodies, their wonderful faces, whatever it may be, Um, and that was paid for as an advertisement, basically, that this person had surgery, like, once you break that down for kids, they really see it very, very differently. Um, and hopefully that breaks some of the effects that these people have on our young people.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'd hope so. It's interesting because we don't see as much. Uh, like, I remember being a kid and being raised to be this funky, spunky you know, go get our kid. But then we lived down the street from a liquor store (laughs) and the liquor store always had these posters with like bodacious bikini models on draped on cars with alcohol. And (laughs) I would see these images. And I remember feeling a disconnect as a kid between sort of the messages I was getting in my family versus these bodacious bikini models (laughs) you used to see everywhere in the eighties and early nineties. And you don't, I guess, see them as much anymore, but I guess that whole thing has transferred. And that is something that we should pay attention to that has transferred into social media, depending on depending on what you know what your you know, what things are being shown to your kid. So another another plug for, you know, get in there and, and check out what's going on. All right. Catherine, this is amazing. I love the book. What did we miss that we need to tell parents about? I feel like uh, we've we've talked about a lot of incredible important things, but there is so much more detail in first Phone, so you definitely should check it out. What do we miss, Catherine? What do we should we leave the listener on?
0: Um, I would just say one point that we didn't talk about is digital consent, and this is something that mm. parents don't do with their own kids, and it's something we really need to change the way we operate as a family. And so we need to teach kids, you cannot post anything of anyone else without asking permission first. Mm, You can't assume, you have to say, is it okay with you if I post this picture? And Mm -hmm. if you get a no, that's it. Even if you think it's the best picture in the world, even if you think your friend looks beautiful, it's a no. But the thing is, what are parents doing? They're posting their kids and Mm -hmm. they're not asking permission and that's very bad modeling. And I think that, you know, we're also involved in social media culture And, you know, getting likes and shares just as much as our kids do, but especially moving into the teen years, we really need to think about digital consent and modeling that for our kids and talking to our kids about how they can get consent before they share or text or tweet anything.
1: Yeah, I think that is so important. Yeah, it's interesting like because if you've been a Mindful Mama podcast listener and followed me on Instagram... You probably saw way back in the day, there were a lot, it was a lot more personal. There are a lot more pictures of me and my kids, but I started to ask them for consent at some point along the way and I realized this and man, it kills me to have that amazing picture and not be able to post it at all on social media. You'd think my 15 year old does not exist, but she does exist. but, um, but yeah, I think that is something that is really important, and we have to start to think about it. It's interesting because there's like an age, right? like everyone wants to see the baby and the pictures of the toddler and things like that, and then there's an you know there's an age, you know we we you know, we as parents decide that digital cons- consent at some point, but then at some point they' that's part of like respecting who you are as a human being to say like, do you, and, and, and modeling that respect, but yeah, we need to, we need to be doing that as well for, with our kids, for our kids. Yep. I appreciate that is an important, important thing that we did not want to miss. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> so, Catherine, it's so great to have you back on the Mindful Mama podcast. I'm so glad that we were able to chat again. Catherine's first book, "Ignore It," I remember. I love that. It's a great episode. Let, hold on. I'll uh, I'll get the episode number for you, uh, dear listener. Um, and um, and I love this book, dear listener. Go back and listen to Catherine's first episode on the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 212. We talked during the quarantine, how to survive being quarantined with your kids. But those are actually lessons that are very appropriate in any way time. And definitely check out First Phone if you are ever going to get your kid a phone, which I imagine you might be. So um, I I love it. Like I said, I'll be getting my copy. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mom of podcast, for writing this book. I think it's so important, so empowering for kids and parents. It's great. Um, I appreciate you taking the effort and the time to come share this work with us here today.
0: Thank you so much. I always love chatting with you. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks so much for listening. What an awesome resource Catherine has made. I'm so excited about it you should be too. And I totally recommend it. Listen, if you love this episode, if you got something out of it, please do me a favor, take a screenshot of it and share it with your friends or, and, and share it with me on Instagram stories, tag me in it at mindful mama mentor. And I, we can, I can see what your takeaways are there. which would be really, really cool. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope it's been helpful and I'm wishing you a great week, my friend. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being part of the Mindful Mama community. I appreciate your ears and I'm, I'm so glad to connect with you. So wishing you peace and ease and those moments of real presence and beauty with your kids this week. Take care. Namaste.